Welcome to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us this weekend. I'm Jason Kong, and I usually say here with attorney Bill Alexander, but we're doing this remotely today, Bill. Spent some time at the coast this week, and you're still at the coast this weekend. How are you, Bill? Well, I, I'm doing fine, and I'm uh, glad we're we're healthy. Uh, I did not pick a very good week uh, to be at the coast, <laughs> although in some ways uh, I was um, pleased to be here just to to um, gauge uh, if we were going to get any damage from this horrible storm. Uh, of course, I, I know you uh, have your family home in Orlando and, and suffered some flooding there. So, um, you know, we're, we in, in this, in most of North Carolina feel pretty fortunate, although uh, there were some parts of North Carolina that certainly had some flooding and, and, uh, and the like. And uh, certainly, in, in a weird way, we were fortunate that it's been dry here um, for the past month. Uh, you know, most of us don't like that very much, but the fact is, is that the rivers were low and the ground was dry. So even though we got inches and inches and inches of, of rainfall, uh, it, it uh, wasn't quite as bad as it, it could have been. And uh, so anyway, I, I feel for, for you and your family and the flooding that you had uh, have endured down there. I know you, you you don't live there. You have renters there, but uh, I feel a, a real heartfelt uh, sympathy for the folks, uh, particularly on the coast of Florida, that have, have just lost everything. And you know, we pray for those those folks, and uh, you know, hopefully, many of us will send some financial help down there. Um, you know, when it uh, when it comes to asset protection, uh, having the right kind of insurance is a big part of it. And, you know, one of the things we were talking about earlier this morning is the fact that you were, uh, that you have flood insurance, which will cover uh, the damages, uh, or at least some of the damages, <laughs> Uh but, you know, the, the great majority of people in Florida do have no flood insurance. And, you know, regular homeowners insurance does not cover flooding. Uh, now, if, you're, if your hot water heater breaks or something like that, it'll cover that kind of flooding, but not the uh, Mother Nature flooding. Uh, that's just not covered. So, and that's not just true in Florida. That's true in North Carolina and everywhere else. So... And you know what? What folks would not know about the fact that you bought flood insurance was the fact that uh, you, even though you grew up in Orlando, uh, you've never had flooding in the area where your home is located until now. And so, uh, obviously, uh, uh, that's meaningful too. And of course, I think all of us. Um, recognize that these weather patterns are getting stronger. Uh, uh, you know, climate change is here. Um, and no, no question about that in terms of the weather patterns being worse than ever. Uh, we've just been very, very fortunate not to 
have any uh, horrible situations in North Carolina. Um, and of course, uh, here I am on the coast, but the, the hurricane for North Carolina uh, didn't come this way when he went up towards, uh, you know, the mountains. And, uh, you know, and in fact, the last time it flooded here on the Outer Banks, um, it was because of two hurricanes that came back to back. And the, and the one that got us was the one that actually hit the mountains, not the coast. So, you know, you just... You just never know about Mother Nature, but of course, uh, flood insurance is not uh, uh, cheap. Uh, that's for sure, uh, and it's going to get more expensive, obviously, with the damages that have gone on in Florida now, which uh, makes it difficult for folks. And of course, the the other insurance that is important for folks to understand is. What about all these cars that have have flooded? And so uh, there are a couple things about that that uh, things that folks need to be aware of. Uh, number one, there'll probably be a whole lot of cars on the market <laughs> coming very soon, coming to your neighborhood store soon. And of course, you have to be very very careful not to buy a flooded vehicle uh, because there are going to be a ton of them. Uh, and, and there are tricks to the trade. I'm no expert, but I, I know there are ways to look at a, a used car to determine if it has flood damage or not. Are you, are you aware of those? some of those things? I, I am not. Well, I know you can look it up, Google it, whatever. But if you're in the market for a car, then... Uh, that's something that is going to be very important for you to look at, um, uh, particularly if, if there's a vehicle that, that seems too good to be true. It's probably a, a flood-damaged uh, vehicle. Uh, the other thing about it is, okay, were any of those cars insured? I mean, in other words, were, were the is the flood damage covered by your automobile insurance? And unfortunately for many folks, it's just like their homes, it's not going to be covered. Uh, it's certainly not covered. You know, in North Carolina, you have to have liability coverage. But th that's for the potential for you damaging somebody else where they, you know, sue you for your, your negligence or the like. Uh, and, and then, um, so... The, the only folks that have a covered vehicle would be those who buy comprehensive insurance. It's, it's not required. It's an add-on to your insurance policy. It's the kind of insurance that many of us buy when we don't think about flooding, but we think about uh, trucks that throw rocks up at our windshield and break a windshield. That's covered by your comprehensive coverage, um, but comprehensive covers things like flooding and uh, awful uh, things like this that we're, you know, that uh, um, it just can potentially happen, but there, there are not any other parts of your uh, car insurance or vehicle insurance that would cover uh, a flooded vehicle like this. So the folks who have comprehensive coverage 
uh, are protected uh, from this kind of damage. Those who do not have comprehensive coverage are not protected. And so that's important for folks to uh, understand. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that folks need to look into and make sure that their policy is doing exactly what they are intending it to do. So make sure you review that uh, with or, or discuss with your insurance agent to make sure that you have the proper amount of coverage. And Bill, I know we're, we're going to get into a discussion here on six key documents that every person should have. And before we do that, we do have to take a break. And I do want to remind everyone that this Wednesday – You've got your free webinars happening, and this is a wonderful opportunity for those, you know, we're talking about catastrophe, uh, to be prepared for the catastrophe of long-term care, the the financial costs associated with that. You know, you often say that the cost of a long-term care event can typically be the cost of what would be to replace your home in the event that every you lost your home and everything inside. You're exactly right. The, you know, the, the folks who've endured what happened where they lost everything in this flooding event, um, the cost of that is about the same for most families as uh, having to deal with a long-term care event where you're having to take care of somebody. Because so many folks don't realize that our health insurance does not cover Medicare doesn't cover it. Our health insurance doesn't cover it. It's out of pocket for the most part, unless you go on Medicaid or you have another, or you have a long-term care insurance policy, which of course is a separate type of policy. Um, so it is a pretty scary financial event for, for families and the folks who've gone through it know what I'm talking about. And the, everyone else just sort of closes their, their eyes and, and hopes it never happens to them. But the, the, the risk is, is ever-present for all of us. Yeah, and closing your eyes is not a good strategy. What will be a good strategy is attending <laughs> Bill's free seminar this Wednesday. Bill has two webinars that he puts on. You can do these from the comfort of your own home. They are highly educational. There's no cost associated with any of this, but if you want to learn more about long-term care assistance that may be available to you through Medicaid or through Veterans Benefits, this is a wonderful free opportunity for you to learn about uh, an area that can be very confusing and filled with lots of myth, misinformation and myths. Uh, it just There's not a lot of clear understanding if you talk to people, but you can get wonderful information from Bill and he'll explain it to you in a way that even I can understand. That's how good Bill is at this. If you want to learn more, go to WGALaw.com and click on the seminars button at the top of the page. From there, you can register for free to make sure that you're attending this Wednesday's free webinars, go to WGALaw.com, click on the seminars button or call 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. We're taking a short break, but we'll be back with more. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. You can learn more about Bill and his free webinars happening this Wednesday, October 12th online at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. 
Bills.com. That's Bill's website. From there, as I said, you can register for Bill's free webinars this Wednesday if you want to learn more about long-term care assistance, financial assistance that may be available to you, or if you want to learn more about asset protection and trust planning, that's a wonderful free opportunity for you. Bill does these the second Wednesday of every month, and if you don't sign up for this coming Wednesday's webinars, then you're going to have to wait until November, but it's, again, a free opportunity for you. It's highly educational and highly recommended to you because there's just a lot of wonderful information in there. WGALaw.com. Click on the Seminars button at the top of the page. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and Bill, I appreciate the discussion that we had at the top of the program discussing insurance and uh, some worst-case scenarios and that all goes into planning and, you know, part of planning and asset protection uh, tends to deal with some documents. So tell us what we need to know about the documents that we should have. Well, uh, let me, uh, before I get into that, uh, Jason, let me uh, mention a couple other things about storm insurance um, that might be pretty important. Uh, number one, you can't go out and buy it when a storm's already present. In other words, you, you, generally speaking, you can't buy uh, additional coverage for an event that is less than 30 days. In other words, you're not covered for the first 30 days. So if, if a storm is on its way and you're going, oh my, better get some more insurance, um, it's generally not gonna cover you for the storm that's coming at you right then. Uh, <clears throat> so that's important uh, for folks to, to, to realize, uh, you know, flood insurance is un, underwritten by the federal government. It's not, you know, so it, <clears throat> it's a system where the, the insurance companies share risk, if you will, uh, and the federal government un, underwrites it and uh, with insurance pools and, and the like. And the, the, the other thing that we mentioned uh, uh, off air earlier is the fact that the, this event in Florida will uh, in all likelihood affect us in North Carolina because it's highly likely that our insurance premiums will go up as well. And then, of course, the other scary thing that will happen in Florida that has happened uh, in coastal North Carolina uh, it, uh, you know, over the last number of years, many insurance companies are going to drop out of the market. So the the number of companies that are left that will underwrite this kind of risk is going to be limited and more expensive. So um, I think we all can expect our insurance premiums to, to go up a little more than normal, uh, which is uh, will have a negative effect on all of us because it just will, <clears throat> you know, we're going to protect our homes. That's important. Uh, and that's, that's called asset protection, obviously. And, uh, you know, a, a big part of asset protection is having the right insurance policies for the risks that you endure. Um, and of course, liability is a big uh, insurance is a big part of it as well. But, you know, these other risks such as flooding and wind and hail and, and these kinds of coverages. And this is why people need a really good um, insurance agent uh, to make sure that they have the coverage that they should have. And 
<clears throat> I would also say this too, for those folks who are looking at housing, uh, you know, obviously it's something that a lot of folks don't look at when they're looking at homes. And of course, recently, People have just been thankful if they can find any home that they can actually purchase. Uh, but the fact is, is that it's smart to, to research the flood zones that uh, a, a dwelling is located in. Uh, it not only makes a difference as to the likelihood of an event like what people have experienced this past week, but it, it also... Um, uh, it may uh, tell you whether or not you you need that flood insurance, or or if you're in a really really safe zone, uh, that maybe you can bypass on that type of coverage. But you know, e even if you're you know, to all insurance to some degree still retains some risk, and it, it's just like your house in Orlando. This is the first time in your memory that you. Uh, realize that, that a storm actually put some water into your home as a flood. So, you know, it, there's, there's, that, that's called, you know, for those folks who don't have flood insurance, and I suspect most of the people in your area in Orlando probably don't have flood insurance because they've never experienced before. So, you know, it's, it's all a matter of, of what kind of risk you're willing to take on your own. Uh, and and some you know it's it's a it's the kind of thing where I'm not a big in, into buying insurance that we don't need. That's the that's the trick is, is how much can we self insure so we don't have to pay those big premiums. Um, that's uh, but but that's the risk you're taking when you do. And and sometimes you you take those risks and then regret. The decisions that you make so it's it's just a personal decision that people have to do for themselves all right now with that said let's i wanted to get to the basics uh and so uh, I, I like to call estate planning life planning because the fact is is that uh virtual uh, you know 90 percent of what we're doing when we do estate planning is how do we take care of ourselves during our lifetime, recognizing that events occur where we need help. We need others to help us during our lifetime. Yes, part of it, it is, okay, how do we leave our property at our death for our loved ones? But, but the big part of it, is how do we take care of ourselves? How do we take care of our spouse? And then hopefully have something left over for the children. Well, there are six basic documents that everyone should have. Uh, and of course, uh, how important each one is uh, oftentimes depends on how old we are and what, what our situation is, which you know, we're all unique human beings. We're, we're, you know, uh, but they're all important. It's just that some, depending on our age and circumstances, uh, one document might be more important than another at a particular time in our life. It's, it's just like when our children turn 18, 
And, you know, as parents, we know at 18, they're still dumb. They're still crazy. They, you know, they're not mature. You hope they are. But we know, at least mo- at least in my experience, kids at 18 are still kids. Uh, you know, they're responsible. You know, they can be draft. You know, well, we, we don't have a draft, but they, you know, they can join the military. They can make decisions on their own. But the fact is that they should. Ha- now, they don't own any property. So do they need a will? Not really. Are they married? No. Do they have children? No. Generally, not anyway. So um, intestate succession works for them. You know, if they die, what, whatever little they have, including their debts, you know, the parents are probably going to take care of but, uh, but should they have a health care power of attorney? Yes, because guess what, parents? You don't have the authority to make health care decisions for them once your children turn 18. So they're not... Uh, they're not under your thumb anymore uh, if they need to go to the hospital. And 18-year-olds often end up in the hospital from traffic accidents and athletic events and other things like that. Um, So, yes, uh, having a healthcare power of attorney uh, can give us as parents peace of mind that if our child is in a, a terrible circumstance, that at least... Uh, will have the ability to make decisions for them. So yes, one of those six documents is the healthcare power of attorney. Uh, and all of us need that because uh, none of us know if we will have some kind of event where someone else needs to be able to, to make decisions and communicate our wishes uh, to a doctor. Um, that is is really important. Now, the fact is, is that there are actually three, three of the six basic documents are healthcare documents. So the most important one is going to be, who do we want as our agent? And for those of us who are married, uh, that's normally going to be our spouse. Uh, and uh, generally, if we have reliable children, uh, it's our second choice is normally an adult child. Um, sometimes it might be a sibling. If we're young, it might be a parent. Um, but it's someone whom it is, who cares about us, who loves us, uh, those kinds of things. Now, the second healthcare document in North Carolina is called an advanced directive for natural death. Uh, and uh, in many states, and uh, it's often called in North Carolina, a living will. This, this one is a very narrowly construed document. Um, it, it is only used in hopeless situation. And it's a directive to your doctor in the hospital to uh, not put you on life support or to take you off of life support. But only in dire and hopeless circumstances. And in other words, you're on your deathbed uh, or you're severely demented or in a persistent vegetative state or unconscious and your doctors believe that you will never regain consciousness. Uh, Now I'm a believer, now I will tell you, uh, there's a, a form out there for it, but in my experience, most people don't fill that form out 
properly. They get very little advice, if any at all. Uh, and quite frankly, there are some basics to that document to, that to me are fundamental and, and very personable, very personal to each of us. But most people don't truly understand the dynamics of what actually, you know, they, they never experienced this kind of thing. So this is where advice makes a big difference. And for those who don't get advice or it's just check the box, whatever you think, uh, most people fill it out in a way that is not as helpful to them as they might think. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, this document, which is a legal document, gets confused frequently with a medical order called a do not resuscitate or a DNR. And a DNR is a very aggressive, I'm ready to die right now type of document, which should never, ever be confused with, uh, with a living will. They're on opposite ends of the medical spectrum. Uh, I tell folks, don't have a, a, a DNR unless you're praying to the Lord every night to be taken right then. Uh, because, and unfortunately, DNRs are abused by the system, you know, by nursing homes and hospitals that would prefer you have a DNR because that lets them off the hook if they don't uh, do what they're supposed to do. And so a lot of them want their patients to have a DNR just so that that reduces their culpability and liability in the event that they they don't actually do uh, what they're required to do or should do. Let's put it that way. And then the last medical document is simply a medical release for HIPAA compliance. That's a federal law. And uh, it's required to have a separate document. That HIPAA language should be in your healthcare power of attorney. It should also be in your general durable power of attorney, but federal law requires a separate document. So three healthcare documents for everybody. And I'll wait and talk about the others when we come back. Excellent. We will get to that. And don't forget, Bill has his free webinars happening this Wednesday, October 12th. If you want to learn more about long-term care assistance or asset protection and trust planning, this is a wonderful free opportunity for you. Go to WGALaw.com, click on the seminars button at the top of the page. Bill is currently holding these in the form of webinars, so you can attend from the comfort of your own home. You can do it digitally with a device that has an internet connection, and if you have an email address, that's really all you need. That's all you need to register. Go to WGALaw.com or call 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000 and schedule uh, to attend Bill's free webinars happening this Wednesday. We're taking a short break, but we'll be back with more on the six key documents that every person should have right after this. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back. listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Find more information about Bill 
at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com, that's also where you can go to find information about Bill's free webinars. Bill's next set of webinars is happening on Wednesday, October 12th. Be sure to register if you're interested in learning more about long-term care assistance, Medicaid, VA benefits, or if you're interested in learning more about trusts and asset protection, go to WGALaw.com. Register to attend Bill's free webinars happening on Wednesday. You can also call the office as well, 919-256-7000. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Bill's uh, with us remotely today as he's at the coast, and we're talking about the six key documents every person should have. And Bill, last segment, we went over three of those, the ones related to health care, the health care power of attorney, the advanced directive for natural death, or also known as the living will, and also the medical release. So that leaves three more to get to, Bill. Well, the, uh, I'll take the next one, uh, which is pretty easy to discuss. And it's an important one. Uh, simply because uh, times have changed. And for those, uh, uh, bottom line is that this next document is important for these modern digital times. And it's uh, what we call a digital release. Now, there are very, very few folks, uh, mostly folks who are over 100, who, who don't uh, really require one, and it's because they still get all of their documentation in the mail. Well, most of us don't anymore. We pay a lot of our bills online. Uh, we have electronic transfers uh, from our bank account. We get our bank records and our investment records online now. Nobody really wants to send us a paper statement through the mail anymore, and oftentimes, they charge us to do it. Not everybody, but I mean, it's the kind of thing where truthfully, it's more convenient for most of us. Uh, uh, young folks probably don't even know what a paper statement is, but the, the, the fact is, is that uh, a digital release is important so that you actually authorize your agent typically your agent that you've appointed in your general durable power of attorney, your permission, your authority to use your username and passwords uh, that, that you use. And of course, usernames and passwords are important that you keep secure. Uh, and there's really only a couple ways to do that. Uh, either you write it down by hand or, or you have a digital vault and just about any other thing that you do is, is not particularly secure. And we have to worry about hackers and, and folks who want to steal our, our uh, money and the way they do it is digitally. So we have to be very protective of, of those things um, and have strong passwords or what my, my advisor calls pass phrases, not passwords anymore. Um, all of that's really important for us to have very, very strong and secure passwords. Uh, and, and the fact is, is that we need to have a way, some mechanism where our loved ones have access, where nobody else has access uh, to that information. Uh, and a digital release gives our loved ones that we've appointed our permission to use our usernames and passwords. Now I realize 
that there are lots and lots of folks who've never heard of a digital release and they have their son or daughter uh, or grandson or granddaughter <laughs> uh, basically help them uh, with um, with the work that needs to be done and getting their bills paid and and the like online. And uh, but the fact is, is that that's not legal to just give somebody your username and passwords to to basically act like they are you. Uh, in order to go online to do your work for you, you need to have a digital release. So, stat, you know, North Carolina legislature enacted legislations where we can do that. And this same language should also be in your general durable power of attorney uh, and in your will, a last will and testament. You know, the, it's becoming that important. Uh, so, it is something that people need to discuss to make sure that their information is secure, but also accessible to uh, the, their agent under their general durable power of attorney. Now, that leaves us two more things, which are generally the first things that people talk about. Uh, and so um, now the next document is your last will and testament. And of course, with the last will and testament, it's just a piece of paper until you die, and that paper is submitted to the clerk of superior court. That's what's called probate, where the clerk says this appears to be your last will and testament, and basically they take it in, probate it, and at that point, it's your last will and testament. Um, so uh, now your will can be a simple will for some, you know families that have a simple situation. You know, I call them sweetheart wills. I leave everything to my spouse and then equally to my children. But the fact is that many of us have a more complicated family situation than that. Uh, and so when that occurs, our will can become more complicated or we might turn to a revocable or even an irrevocable trust in some cases. Uh, now, I don't want to get into a discussion of trust. I don't have uh, time, but we'll get into that with our webinar on asset protection because I talk a lot about trust uh, with our afternoon session. Uh, but uh, just in terms of our basic documents, now we do use a will for asset protection for our seniors, particularly because we often recommend what's called a supplemental needs trust in a last will and testament for our spouse. In fact, that's the only way <clears throat> through our will uh, or through a trust that you can give your spouse asset protection for Medicaid. Now, Medicaid is a unique creditor, uh, if you will, uh, but a supplemental needs trust uh, bypasses all of the Medicaid rules. There's no five-year look back. There's no limitation. There's no handcuffs on how the money is um, invested or how much is spent. It's not an income-only trust. It, all the principle of the trust is available to supplement the needs of your spouse on Medicaid. Uh, none of your trust has to be spent down for Medicaid purposes. Now, there is one negative, obviously, in terms of creating a trust like that, and that is you have to die for that trust to 
uh, come into existence. You know, that's that's where uh, a will-based trust starts from is your debt. Uh, but it's an extremely powerful way of protecting a surviving spouse from Medicaid estate recovery and allowing all of your money to uh, be involved in that trust. Of course, you have to set things up uh, very much unlike the way most couples have their money and property set up because fact is that's where right of survivorship will undo a trust-based will. Uh, of course, it'll undo a regular revocable trust as well because you always have to have your title to property done where it coordinates with whatever your plan is. And that's a mistake so many, many folks uh, make. Um, now, I'm, I'm leaving the last the discussion uh, to, I know I, we have to take a break, but uh, we'll be right back to talk about the general durable power of attorney and how important that is. We will get to the sixth and final document. Don't forget, Bill's free webinars are happening this Wednesday. As we said, go to WGALaw.com to learn more information to register in time so that you can attend. WGALaw.com. Click on the seminars button at the top of the page if you want to learn more about long-term care assistance, Medicaid, VA benefits, or if you want to learn more about trusts and asset protection, you can sign up for that free webinar as well. WGALaw.com or call 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000. A short break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back. Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Go to WGALaw.com if you want to register for Bill's free webinars this Wednesday, WGALaw.com. Click on the Seminars button at the top of the page. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, we're talking about the six key documents every person should have. And uh, you've saved your, your most important one or the one you, you I think you talk about the most for last. So let's get into that, Bill. Well, it's the document that most seniors do not have right. You know, when I talk to groups of seniors, almost everybody says, oh, I got one of those. I got one of those. But the fact is they have a piece of paper that's not going to work when they need uh, assistance uh, from their family, uh, particularly for asset protection. And of course, when it comes to uh, Medicaid and asset protection, uh, everybody wants protection, but everybody also wants control as long as possible. And I get it. I'm the same way. I don't want to give up control either. And uh, so many folks are uh, have the wrong idea that you have to uh, do something, do an irrevocable trust five years before you might ever need uh long-term care assistance, which is just wrong. And when I tell folks that, no, you don't need one of those five years trust, but you do need a very aggressive general durable power of attorney, one that gives your loved one, your spouse or your child, 
the ability to do some aggressive planning for you if if you uh, need assistance and you're not capable of signing documents on your own, uh, which happens to many, many folks. And of course, it's like, oh, I don't need to do a five-year trust or what we call a five-year trust. No, you just have to have the right kind of general durable power of attorney. Um, and, and quite frankly, the the uh, the problem with typical powers of attorney is they're just transactional. They allow you to sell the truck and sell the house and pay your bills, but it doesn't allow you to do things like transfer your home or vehicle to your spouse or to a child uh, or to change beneficiary designations or to deal with your retirement accounts aggressively or things like that. And quite frankly, unless an elder law attorney has actually prepared your general durable power of attorney, there's about a 99.9% chance that your power of attorney is not adequate for what you want later in life. I mean, you hope you never need it. I mean, None of us want to think about the fact that we might uh, not be all together in, in our later years. Uh, that's a scary proposition. But the fact is, is that it happens to, uh, to many of us, a high percentage. And when people don't have, now the worst case is not having a power of attorney at all. And even if, even if you have a lousy power of attorney, it gives us the ability to go to court and get a judge's permission to do it. And if you don't have a power of attorney at all, that means we have to go to court and get a guardianship and then have a second petition to ask a court to allow us to move property around. And of course, your family doesn't control that. A judge controls that uh, when you have to do that. But that obviously uh, takes a lot of time, takes a lot of money. Uh, and if you have the right documents to begin with, then you save that time and you save that money. And, and hopefully you have some ways uh, that, um, and, and there are lots of ways to do it. That's what, uh, that, that's what we work on. And of course, that's, uh, you know, if folks come to our webinar, um, uh, particularly our early morning webinar on uh, long-term care plan, you'll learn more about how we can use your general durable power of attorney to uh, to protect you and recognize that most most people don't have it uh, right. And I also want to mention, uh, Jason, that of course for my Medicaid webinar, my son Thomas Alexander is going to be helping me with that. He's becoming a real expert. Uh, with Medicaid uh, planning, and I'm real proud of him uh, in terms of what he's doing in our law firm. Well, Thomas is an impressive person, so it's a wonderful, another great reason for us to go ahead and sign up and attend Bill's free webinars. Go to WGALaw.com, click on the Seminars button at the top of the page to sign up, or if you want to call the office, the phone number is 919-256-7000, 256-7000. A short break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back.
is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Don't forget, this Wednesday, Bill's free webinars are happening. If you would like to register and attend for free, go to WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. Click on the Seminars button at the top of the page if you want to learn more about Medicaid and long-term care assistance, as well as VA benefits. This is a wonderful free educational opportunity for you. Or if you want to learn more about asset protection and trust planning, Bill's got a webinar dedicated to those subjects as well. WGALaw.com. And if you want to schedule an appointment to speak with Bill, maybe you don't have the documents that we discussed on the program today, or you've never had them reviewed. You have had them done before, but they've never been reviewed by an elder law attorney another great reason to schedule an appointment with Bill. WGALaw.com or call 919-256-7000. That'll do it for us today. On behalf of Bill Alexander, I'm Jason Kong. Thanking you so much for listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Have a wonderful weekend.